This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Warm greetings to you and welcome to Radio Church. Now my heart my my name is Kerry Enright, and I'm one of the ministers of Knox Church, Dunedin. And it's my delight to offer you this brief service of uh, worship for the eighth Sunday after the Feast of Pentecost. And uh, I begin with a call to worship based on Psalm 49, the first four verses. Hear this, all you peoples. Give ear, all inhabitants of the earth, both low and high, rich and poor together, listening for wisdom, longing for understanding. We incline our ears to hear God's wisdom through the whispers of the voice of the heart. And so we come to worship God. We're beginning with a piece of music that is one of my favorite contemporary songs. It's an invitation to living with God, to enjoying God's banquet life. Come to the banquet. Come to the banquet, there's a place for you. There's a place for you See you are an honoured guest From constant serving You may rest So sit you down Be fed and blessed For you are welcome Come Come to the banquet There's a place for you Woman, wise one, mother, maiden See your plate with food is laden And your place is set and waiting You are welcome, come Come to the banquet, there's a place for you Worker, father, little boy, old man or youth Without employ, come rest your worry Here is joy and you are welcome the banquet there's a place for you here is one who runs to meet you loving arms stretched out to greet you do not let your fear defeat you you are welcome There's a place for you. A 
abundant, wide enough for all Our generous, loving host has called The cup of blessing now is poured For sweet communion Come, come to the banquet There's a place for you And now we come to God in prayer, a prayer of praise and confession. Let us pray. God, you are our highest good, the only one able to satisfy our deepest longings. You are the fount of joy and gladness. With you we are always rich. With you all gifts are ordered and find their rightful place. With you we find joy in giving. With you is shalom, wholeness, healing. Too often we are drawn towards people who have grown rich. The beauty of their homes, the increase of their wealth. Too often we succumb to greed and cling to what we have received. We confess we can easily become misguided. We can store up reserves while neighbours can't afford food. And in the end, it leaves us empty. Lord, we ask for your grace and forgiveness. Fill us with the awareness that all things come from you and that we will be forever restless unless all things find their right place and purpose in you. Fill us with gratitude for the things that you have given us and give us clean, kind and open hearts. Through Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. The reading today comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, verses 13 to 21. There's a good chance that if you're in an Anglican, a Presbyterian or a Catholic church and maybe uh, other churches this weekend, you will hear this gospel. Let's listen for God's word to us. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Friend, who set me to be a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then he told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly. And he thought to himself, what should I do, for I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool. This very night your life is being demanded of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich towards God. 
Thanks be to God for this reading from the Scriptures, and may God grant us understanding of what they say. There's a marvellous hymn we often sing at Knox Church from John Bell and Graham Maul of the Iona community in Scotland, Heaven Shall Not Wait, and so we hear it now. to reflect on the reading that we heard from the Gospel of Luke. One third of the parables of Jesus deal with money. Parables are a way of getting under our skin, of disturbing our spirit, in order that we may be wooed towards the world that God envisages. As Jesus tells the parable we heard today, I wonder what that world looked like for him. And if the farmer in the parable was not what Jesus hoped for, what kind of farmer did he hope for? Instead of a farmer having so much grain that he needed to build extra silos, what kind of farmer did he want? Instead of a farmer who spoke only of himself and never referred to anyone else, what kind of farmer did he want? Instead of the parable we heard, I want us to imagine... A story like this one, a farmer like this. 
The first memory of the farmer and of growing things were from his parents. They had fruit trees in abundance, bottled fruit in the cupboards, frozen vegetables in the freezer. The grapes drooped from the vines, the onions hung from the beams in the shed. There was jam in the outside storeroom. If visitors came, they always left for something. People that his parents met downtown in the local town where they lived were asked, Would you like some plums? Bring a bucket. Come up and collect them. Would you like some string beans? Then bring a bucket. Would you like some potatoes? Bring a bucket. It wasn't a big piece of land, but it was productive. And in the seasons of growth, there was a constant flow of visitors leaving with buckets full. Sometimes family visited from out of town. They knew to bring a container of some kind because they would always take something away. And his mother would say, Oh, you have a new grandchild. Can I knit something for your grandchild? And so the farmer noticed that although the family was not rich, they gave. And though at times the farmer thought that he would have liked a juicy peach or a nice plum for himself, well, that's just the way his parents were. Sometimes he got something and sometimes he didn't. It was just the way it was. But not all the family was like that. There was an uncle who'd done well in life, good education, international travel, worked in cities around the world, highly regarded professionally. And when he retired, he bought a local farm. He built a beautiful home in which he kept the fascinating pieces he'd acquired on his trips. Once the house was built and the exotic pieces given their place and the shearmilker began managing the farm, the uncle settled into the house by himself. Few people visited. When they did, they were introduced to an amazing home and incredible views and fascinating stories of a past life. From the front window you could see as far as Mount Ruapehu. But the farmer, when he was young, found it hard visiting his uncle. His uncle lived in the past years, where life had been busy and he'd achieved much, when he belonged to this club and knew that person when life had seemed so full. And now, thought the farmer, the house seemed empty. Somehow his uncle had stopped being able to give. And the farmer thought to himself, I don't want to end my days like that. He came across these words from Bruce Pruer. Our mortality shows what is really ours, what we are really worth. And this worth is not measured in big barns, big power, big popularity, big influence, big status. God's currency is love, love and more love. Love cannot be devalued, either in life or death. It is eternal. The farmer read those words and wondered what he would take with him in the hour of death. Did he want to live an empty life but with full barns? Well, he had become a farmer. 
had bought land, and as the farmer became as the farm became more productive, a neighbouring property became available. So he borrowed more, and he bought it. He was, after all, thinking of those who would come after him, and he wanted to provide for them, especially as housing costs increased. But then he noticed in his spirit that as the farm expanded, and as he borrowed more, so did the anxiety increase. The regular visit to the bank manager was especially hard, and he noticed in himself that his memories of his childhood began to fade. That way of living seemed so long ago, a different world, a bygone era, a golden time, before cell phones and big houses and, well, big everything. By now he had married. His wife drew him towards the church. He began to hear stories and was surprised at how much Jesus mentioned money. Every now and then, when he wasn't thinking about when to move the cows or cut the hay or fix the holes in the farm tracks, or whether they'd left the iron on before they'd come to church, every now and again it seemed like the message was for him, and there were times when the word unsettled him. Not in the sense of being got at, but in the sense of being addressed or spoken to, as if someone knew what was going on inside him, how he was feeling, what he was thinking. The awkwardness would surface every now and again, and wouldn't leave him and he thought of the people that he met at his local church. There was the young mother raising children on her own, having faced a really difficult situation, but with courage, and who was finding support and finding friends, and he noticed the children felt comfortable with those around them, but he could see that week by week it was touch and go. He admired the way she seemed to do so much with so little, and to manage what what must have been a very tight budget. And there was that retired professional who'd done quite well financially, who seemed to find ways to give that wealth away when the opportunity arose. And the older couple who invited people into their home when they could, including the young ones in the congregation. So around him were folk who seemed largely uninterested in money, or the size of their home, or the newness of their car, or some of the stuff the advertisers kept promoting. But he also sensed how up against it this small group of church people were. They were inundated with advertising that put value on what people possessed. This product would give their life meaning. That product promised freedom. And role models were promoted that seemed far away from what love and generosity was about. And he felt ill at ease too when he heard the perpetual call to cut taxes and reduce spending. If taxes were cut, of course, he would benefit greatly. But the young mother, well, she wouldn't get anything. And he'd begun to notice how influential the most wealthy people had become the values of his youth seemed to have evaporated. In his youth he'd benefited greatly from the health service, but he could see it now was struggling. There weren't enough GPs training, and so his local practice relied on locums. The local school had provided a marvellous support for him, 
but now it struggled to attract teachers. Too many had gone to Australia. And the whole economic system seemed built on greed and growing and expanding and on getting more. And he was a farmer, so he could see what it did to the water and the land around him. He used an irrigator himself, and they'd come to rely on it. But at what cost? As a couple, they became a buddy to a young person from Presbyterian support. They gave to Christian World Service every Christmas. They were on the church's automatic payment system. And when they sold an animal, sometimes they helped a bit more. And they did what they could for their parents and their family. But at the end, the farmer still wondered about the whole system. Was there anything he could do to ensure people had enough? Was there anything he could do to close the gap between the least wealthy and the most wealthy? The political system seemed so stuck. The politicians so bound to powerful interest. What could he do? Well, he didn't need any more barns. He didn't want to build any more barns. And over the years, what he gave away in love, in relationships, in compassion, in prayer, in concern for others, would have filled many, many barns. And when he died, people said how rich he had been in the things that really mattered. And now I'd like us to pray for others. Generous God, we pray for rich countries with a surplus of wealth and for poor countries in debt to them. We pray for rich countries whose stores are overflowing and for countries whose harvests have failed. We pray for rich countries flaunting their material success and for the poor who live there, forgotten or ignored. Generous God, help us not pile up treasures for ourselves while remaining paupers in your sight. Generous God, we pray for those whose wealth has given them power and for those whose poverty has made them powerless. We pray for those whose lives are given to making money and for those who can barely afford to live. We pray for the successful, the popular, the talented and for those who are given little respect. Generous God, help us not pile up treasures for ourselves while remaining paupers in your sight. We pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Saviour, who was rich and yet for our sakes became poor, so that through his poverty we might become rich. Amen. And now a closing prayer and a blessing. Bountiful Lord, thank you that you are willing to take all that we offer to you and then multiply it for good. We know that we grow by giving in faith, gratitude and even in want. For when we give, we give to you and you multiply it beyond our wildest imaginations. Take all that we are and all that we have, our time, our talents and money, and bless the community in which we live and grow your church 
through our giving. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with us all, now and always. And now a piece of music that takes up the theme of this time we've had together from Shirley Murray, Take My Gifts and Let Me Love You. Go in peace. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.